0: Alright, well hello everyone, I'm James Aaron and this is Speculative Work, my author diary where I share my progress for the last week, things I've learned and mistakes I've made, so that hopefully you don't make them too. This is episode 26, uh, the second episode of the reboot, and (laughs) let's get into it. Writing has been plugging along since last week. I haven't had any big days that I was hoping to get, but I've been making steady progress and that's really where I want to be. I've been averaging about three thousand words a day. I need to be closer to four thousand, but I know that I tend to write more as a project progresses. And it's always harder in the beginning or when you're getting back into something to, to get those big word counts. But then usually in the last week, like I'll be averaging, you know, a good three to four chapters a day, which puts me close to 10,000 words a day. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. One thing I've been using a lot is, you know, I talked about for the words.com last week. And one thing that website has is you can battle a monster by basically you have to type for a certain amount of time. And so if I'm having any bit of resistance about what I'm trying to write, I'll just set, you know, a 25 minute, battle where if I stop typing for a good number of seconds I lose the battle and that's a, a good way for me at least to just put myself in the moment get into flow state and start writing you know it's not a matter of how many words I get to it's a matter of continuously writing for for me 25 minutes is kind of the trick and after that like I find that the story is moving at that point and it's working pretty well so far. So one of the things that site allows you to do is make a list of the monsters you're you're going to battle. So you can start your battle with that timed attack and then move into the word count ones, which are just kind of like gravy for me. But I found the, um, it's you know, it's a, it's a mental trick I have to play with myself, but it's working pretty well. Last week, otherwise, just really felt like it went super fast. Um, all these days have just been flying by. We celebrated Mother's Day yesterday, which was a really fun day. I didn't do any work necessarily. I did a little bit of writing um, at night, just to do my daily journaling, and then get some things ready for you know like lists of checklists for the week and stuff I wanted to accomplish. That kind of thing last night. But otherwise, it was pretty much a, a down day. We had a lot of things we needed to do around the house. Aside from, I really tried to make sure like my wife could sleep in in the morning. I took our daughter, and just entertained her until probably about 11, I guess. Um, Made waffles, and we had waffles with fresh whipped cream and some fresh strawberries, and that was delicious. Then (laughs) went out for a walk with the baby, and um, yeah, it was good. It was a good day. I'm also working on a chicken tractor for our six new chicks that we have. So that's basically a kind of triangle-shaped Um, enclosure that you can move around your yard and it's not not a big deal it just takes time to put it together so I was working on that last night and we're also doing a project with making a cat tree out of some upcycled um, drawers that I got from our local construction recycling place and so that I put that together yesterday and then it's ready to be painted and we'll put some carpet on it and it'll be ready to go and my daughter is already trying to climb it so we'll have to see how that goes (laughs) I tried to over-engineer it just a bit because I figured that was going to happen, but, um, yeah, it was, it was good. Got some things accomplished. Still haven't mowed the yard, but I will be doing that either this afternoon or tomorrow because it, it must be done. I'm still listening to Goliath by Matt Stoller, which is the history, the hundred year history of monopoly and democracy in the U S and that's just an amazing book to nail down how much history repeats itself, because right now I'm moving into the 40s after World War II, and there was so much work done to break apart monopolies in the U.S., and there were monopolies everywhere, from like shoemakers to tires. Um, they He spends a lot of time talking about how aluminum production was held up during World War II, because the single producer of aluminum, Alcoa, was trying to basically inflate their prices and they had even been been selling a lot of aluminum to Germany until Congress finally made them stop. And it's just really interesting. Like as, as the U S war department is trying to ramp up production of aircraft so that we can match Germany. We have American firms selling the same aluminum to Germany (laughs) or selling material to French manufacturers that were then seized by Germany. Um, after, after France was occupied. So it's just, it's just really interesting. Um, you know, and I'm curious, I'm really curious to see where this book is going to end. I'm about halfway through it. And, you know, one of the things that really strikes me about the politicians of this time period is that a, most of them weren't millionaires. They were people that had come up through local politics and then made their way into Congress. And so they had a lot of knowledge about what the average business person or just the average person, how they live their lives. You know, a lot of people had been farmers, they had been, um, lawyers, you know, working these kind of cases, things like that. And we don't necessarily have that these days. And also like so many of the monopolies in our lives are based around technology and it's very difficult for the people in our politics to understand technology. And the biggest one that comes to to mind for me, at least in my area, is Comcast. Like there's really no way to get internet unless you're using Comcast. And I mean there's one other provider that's cell-based, uh Clearwire, not it's not internet it's not cable based. And there's so many things about how Comcast came to hold a monopoly in my area, from getting government subsidies to create the lines to now managing to shut out other ISPs that I'm not sure what will we'll change that. And it's really interesting. I, I don't see our government making these, the kind of really difficult changes that were made in the forties and into the fifties in the eyes. Cause Eisenhower was our first Republican president, um, after Hoover. And he maintained like they, the, one of the things that the book does is talk about a, uh, a chat that Eisenhower had with, um, American housewives, quote unquote. And they were asking a lot of questions about recession and, and what the government would do to protect the U S against recession because everybody remembered the depression so strongly. And everything that Eisenhower is saying is protectionist for the working class. (laughs) And so it's, it's just a really, interesting and depressing book of how things repeat themselves. So, so, so far I'd recommend it, but like I said, I am listening to it on 1.25 speed and that's been, um, making it go a lot faster. Although I do have to back up and re-listen to things sometimes if I find my mind wandering because I'm doing something else. Like that's the only downside for me of listening to audiobooks is I'll hear something that's interesting. And then I start thinking about it. My mind wanders a bit as I'm thinking about that new thing and then I realize that the story, the book has progressed and I missed whatever that last bit was that they were talking about. So I'll have to back up and, and listen to it again. So this may be a book that I'll actually buy in print so I can, I can study it more closely. Other uh, book that I got this last week was how long till black future month by NK Jemison. I had not read Nora Jemison's short stories, so I'm curious to check it out. And so far the, the mix of stories is really interesting and I'm, I'm going to get a better sense of when they were written and, and that kind of thing. But I'm reading one right now. That's kind of about AI in a sort of virtual reality world. That is it's cyberpunk and it's not what I would have expected and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So I'll keep you posted on that. I have two short stories to read for the classic science fiction podcast. that I'm going to knock out this week, uh, one by Cordwainer Smith and another by Lee Brackett. Um, Which are both kind of pulp stories. I think the Lee Brackett story is from the 30s, and the Cord Smith is from the 50s. So, I'm excited to jump into those. Other things that happened this week that I've been thinking about. Paul Teague published, or, yeah, I guess he published, the last of his self-publishing journeys podcast yesterday. And he's been threatening to do this for a while. But this is the podcast diary that kind of got me started in, or thinking about doing something like this as as an ongoing way to track my work. And the thing that I like about Paul's podcast, I think a lot of people might find tedious, but I think if you're really trying to make a go with, of publishing as a business, Paul started at the very beginning and walked through all of his difficulties both as a writer and then as a marketer and you know learning through advertising he lost his ability to advertise on Facebook and what he was doing to work around that and then how he dealt with you know not the greatest reviews on his books kind of consistently and what he did to step up his game to improve both the books the books going forward different kind of strategic co-writing agreements that he tried and he has wasn't quite as fortunate as I've been with co-writing. Like he did two different co-writing agreements and I don't think either of them sold as well as he would have liked. But through all that time he was doing his own work and he's been having a lot of success with box sets and advertising on Facebook. And so he just finished up with, I want to say at least three non non-fiction books about his new process. And one of them is like five, five figure months or something. I think I, I'll find, I'm actually going to read them and I'll talk about them in some other episodes, I think. But he got to a point where he was pulling in, he's pulling in consistently five figures a month. And he said that that was basically his, his why of the podcast. He accomplished his goal. And now it's time to move on and do something else. And I fully respect that. He's 55. He's uh, 11 years older than me. And it's been really useful for me to look ahead and see where he's at. And feel you know take some confidence in knowing that what I'm doing now, I'm going to be in the place I want to be ten years from now. And and he basically is describing a life where he can work where he wants, when he wants. He gets to enjoy his family, and um, those are all the things that I want too. I'm I'm just lucky to have started a little earlier than he did. And I hope that if if you're listening to this right now and you're even 20 or 30 or 35, um, you know, if you were diligent and consistent and building up an audience and, and you love to write and you take joy in it, like you will eventually find success. I think it's consistency that will get you there. And if anything, you know, a lot of podcasters who are very successful writers talk about the fact that a lot of people don't last you know, one of the things that Lindsay Baroker mentions quite often is that if she looks back 10 years, 10 years ago at the field of writers that were self-publishing, at least a lot of them haven't stuck around. And, you know, as I've been reading older, you know, the short story collections and older magazines, a lot of these writers that were even, you know, starting on the trad route through short fiction, a lot of them published like one or two stories or even one or two novels. And then that was it. You know, they might've been dropped by their publisher and I think that's really hard on the trad side when you think that you've made it and you you write two books in a trilogy or whatever. And if it's not in your contract for them to finish it and they don't, and then you don't have the rights to your, to your work until they release it, that's tough. So uh, in a way, I'm really glad that I made the choice I did and have followed the path I did. Do I wish still possibly that a trad deal might come along? Sure. I mean, it's hard not to like read Locust magazine or get advertisements from tour publishing or listen to the Cood Street podcast and different, you know, promotional things from the science fiction writers of America and just see this whole other side of work that's being published and talked about in a serious way. And that just hasn't quite come to the the independent publishing side of it yet. And it's, it's not even like, I wouldn't call indie publishing the small side anymore because their sales are eclipsing trad. It's just not looked at in the same way. And so I think it's going to come. And I think it's the work that brings it, but yeah, I don't know. It's something that kind of niggles at me sometimes, but I just let it go. (laughs) So anyway, I'm glad that Paul is moving on to other things and that he's, accomplished what he hoped wanted to accomplish. And one of the things that he said is that he may always, he may come back to podcasting. In fact, he probably knows that he will come back to podcasting. I'm going to miss his incredibly detailed breakdowns of what he was going through because that gave me a lot of good, of good information and also good confidence to know that I could potentially do the same thing. So I don't know that I have the patience to be that diligent about details, (laughs) But we'll we'll see how it goes. One of the things that I know I need to do across the coming year, like is publish my own self publish something as it's been, you know i've I'm basically like kind of in a small press situation where between variant and wooden press, wooden pen press with aon fourteen, like I'm not publishing my own work. So there's a lot of knowledge that I'm missing out on and diversification that I know I should be doing more of. It's just time. Like with the baby right now, it's really difficult to get more work done than what I'm doing, (laughs) especially when I know the work I'm doing will get me paid. And I want to get that mix. You know, I need to be able to do, be doing either working on projects simultaneously, which has been really difficult for me or finishing projects faster so that I can devote chunks of time to certain things and get those things done. That's really kind of my, my ongoing goal right now. Okay, the thing I wanted to talk about this week is my Google Drive is full. My digital storage, my digital life has kind of come to a standstill. And it wasn't like they gave me a, a warning as I was getting up to it necessarily. Like I hit the renewal date for my Google Drive payment. And I've been paying at the $100 a year tier for 2 terabytes, which I don't come even close to using. Partially because with Comcast, I have a 3 gig or a three terabyte data cap each month. So there's no way I could download or upload enough to fill up Google drive. I don't know. Maybe I could, I'm not doing the math right now on the podcast, but <laughs> I two terabytes is just more than I need. Apparently because I have not stopped myself from saving, you know, photos and movies, family movies and things like that. And, um, I had even neglected to like empty the trash in my Google drive. And there was like 45 gigs of just random things. Like I use audacity for my audio recording and audacity creates a ton of tiny files when you're working with it. And I had been backing up those folders in Google drive. And so I just had terrible, you know, not a terabyte, but gigabytes of audio files that I didn't need that were deleted. (laughs) But I'm still, I'm sitting on 270 gigabytes and it really brings home the fact that Google Drive hasn't been working very well for me. And there's a couple reasons for that. Part of it is it encourages me to just make a file. Like if I'm going to make a document to save something or to start working on a project, save it with the understanding that if I want to search for that thing later, Google Drive is supposed to magically make that easy for me. And what I'm finding is that it doesn't. When I go back and try and find whatever it was I'm working on, I can't find it, or it gives me things that are not what I was looking for, or also often things from other times in my life that I don't particularly want to see that. And it's a, it's a distraction to me to see it. I've been using Gmail since 2004 when it first came out. I got like an early uh, adopter invite code to use it. And I've pretty much been all in with using Gmail since then. And when Google Drive came out, I did the same thing. I've used it for a lot of different things from work to personal business to saving all my photos. And it's worked pretty well, but I've realized recently that I just don't go back and look at a lot of older things. (laughs) If there was a project I was working on, I would typically save all the files on my local machine and then that's what I used to Dropbox for quite often because I wanted to back up the file, like Photoshop files or InDesign files, things that I was using that were project based, you know, Excel, like the taxes are here. Uh, the business plan is here, that kind of thing. And Google drive didn't work as well for that, but there were plenty of things that were tied to projects that were in Google drive. Well, just trying to sort Google drive is a huge hassle now because I have thousands of files in there (laughs) and you know okay I get a notice saying that you're over your limit and you know you get 17 gigs for free so obviously there's no way I can delete enough to get under 17 gigs when I'm sitting at 270 but even trying to sort it like there are ways to sort Google drive by your largest files supposedly but when I'm looking at Files that are maybe a gig that I've uploaded like maybe some family movies. I really wanted to hang on to there aren't actually that many so the most of that 200 gigabytes. That's the lion's share of my storage I guess is probably email. Maybe (laughs) maybe photos. I'm not sure but the fact is I you know last year I paid the hundred bucks and this year I think I'd like to come up with something different because I'm realizing I'm just not I'm spending this money and I'm not using the storage effectively And I also would like to do a better job of organizing my files going forward. A couple years ago, I was part of a writer's group that was kind of an intensive focused on self-publishing and Amazon. And one of the things that the group did was have us gather together everything we had ever written and... That was, that was actually a challenge because when I went through all my files, I had stuff all over the place and I had different versions of things, you know, at that point I had been writing mostly short stories for my author's group, my local writer's group, and I had short stories all over the place. I, some of it was in Google Drive, some of it was in Dropbox, and I still haven't done a good job since then. You know, I've been working in Scrivener for a long time, and then I would take Scrivener, export a draft... The draft would go into OneDrive where, depending on the co-authoring arrangement, we would work it back and forth. I've worked with other people that specifically use Google Drive. And even Scrivener, like depending on where I saved those files, they kind of become locked inside Scrivener and whatever version of Scrivener I was using. And so none of this is ideal. And I'm really... I think what I'm going to do is take a hard look at how I have my local drives set up because I actually have a ton of local storage. I've got our whole entertainment set up through Plex. And so we're sitting on, I don't know, something like 20 terabytes of storage that I have here in the house. So I don't, I don't need Google Drive. I've just gone through enough, you know, living through losing photos and losing hard drives that I know I definitely want, need to back things up. I just need to be smarter about how I do it, <laughs> and and doing everything web based is not quite working for me anymore. Especially as I, when I need to focus on my work, and that means maybe even just shutting off the internet. Well, you can't necessarily use Google Drive, you know, writing in Google Drive. You can write offline, um, but I don't know. It's just something I want to take a look at. So I've also been thinking recently. I don't remember if I mentioned this in another podcast, but I've been reading off and on. Blood and Thunder by Mark Finn, which is a biography of Robert E. Howard, the creator of Conan. And one of the things that Finn has to really resurrect Howard, his life, his friends, everything he went through, is all these letters that he wrote. And I've been thinking a lot about how, okay, I've moved into this life as a professional writer. I want to spend more time interacting with other writers or really just capturing my thoughts in a meaningful way. Doing that on Facebook is not a good way to have those interactions, <laughs> and I wish that we could just do more things by email. And even then, I you know I used to download my Gmail because there are different tools you can use to download that offline. But where is all this stuff going to be? Where is it going to live? Like if I take the time to interview someone and I have an audio file of that, that's awesome. But where is it? How am I going to archive those things? Like what is my archiving plan? for the work that I'm doing. It really, it's kind of a business continuity plan for my writing career, and it's not something I've given enough thought to, and I need to come up with a systematic way to do it. You know, doing th- organizing things by date is probably the easiest way, but where you run into a problem with that is when projects span multiple months or even years. Then you need to organize things by project, but then projects can get out of order depending on, you know, moving between from Dropbox to Google Drive to OneDrive. So I'm going to give all that more thought. And I really wanted to talk about this because I think if you're not thinking about this, it's something to think about, especially as a lot of writers are working just off their iPad or their a tablet or a lap, you know, Chromebook. And you're really depending on Google Drive. Well, everybody's always talking about that time when what happens when your Google Drive is not available. And I don't know. I just ran into that time. So <laughs> I, I want to be more thoughtful about this. So yeah, I'll keep you posted on how, how that kind of turns out. But right now I really just want to get like, I'm downloading my whole Google drive and all 270 gigs, which is going to take a few days. And then I will probably go through and try and do some organization, like sorting by text and, I've got a couple different tools on my Windows machine. I've got a little program called Winderstat that makes it pretty easy to search folders by the size of files and type of files and things like that. So I could at least get text files and PDFs and, you know, MP3s all in one place. And I've been through this before when I was moving things from hard drive to hard drive back before the days of offline backup. You know, it used to be whenever you would get a bigger drive, you would transfer everything over. Well, I would end up with, you know, multiple copies of the same files, especially when I was using, um, Apple's iPhoto and the way iPhoto worked is anytime you would edit something, it would make a copy. So I'd end up with, you know, 50 copies of the same image. And that got pretty irritating, (laughs) especially when some of them were lower resolution, which got frustrating over time. But anyway, I I feel myself, I'm probably going to end up doing the same thing, but I want to, I need to sort things by, you know, file type. And then I'm also noticing with Google drive, like I've got a ton of files that I didn't name. I just was writing down notes and then forgot to name it and moved on to another thing. So I'm also going to have to take a look at that and just kind of wrap my mind around what the heck is this 270 gigs worth of stuff that I have that I don't know. How much of it is email attachments? I I don't even know. How much of it is spam? So I'll be doing more digging into that. And I'll report back on whatever plan I I come up with. Hopefully something that will work going forward. Okay, goals for next week. I really want to get this book done this week. I need to get to um, a place where I can move on to Galactic Law. Number four, because I have a lot of heavy stuff to finish up in that book. And to wrap up that series, fans are asking questions about, you know, things that have been set up and there's not that it's going to be difficult to get this finished, but I want to make sure that I do it right. So I'm giving a, putting a lot of thought into that. Some other things this week, that's, that's actually it. This is just a big writing week. So I'll let you know how things turn out there. I'm going to record, like I mentioned, those two episodes of the Classic Science Fiction Podcast, and I'll get those posted. I'm still kind of deciding the frequency of that, but we'll see. And then I have a couple other kind of small nonfiction projects that I want to see how I do with that. I want to get to do more blogging, which put more things on my website, jamesarron.net, versus posting things to Facebook. I feel like putting things on Facebook gives me short-term Gratification or whatever, but I'm mostly talking to other writers there, and that's not what I want to do. So I need to find and do more things that appeal to readers or people that will find me through the internet. And whenever I find a writer's website, there's kind of nothing I enjoy more than finding that it's got a lot of interesting content. What I don't like finding is that it hasn't been updated in like four years and there's not much there, which is while my website isn't that bad, I feel it's pretty bad. So (laughs) I need to come up with some good systems to at least get some kind of content there on a weekly basis. And I'll let you know how, how that's going. (laughs) Okay. So thanks very much for listening. I'll keep you posted on, uh, where things go and until next week, good luck with your writing. I'll talk to you soon.